God is so good. Do you believe it? Come on, shout it so loud that I can hear you all the way from your house into here. Amen. Jesus is awesome. God is incredible. His love is so powerful. It's never ending. We never find the end of it. We never find a place where we've used it up, we've exhausted it. No matter what our need is, no matter what our situation is, he is enough. He's more than enough. And so I'm just so thankful right now. I'm thankful for this technology. I'm thankful that we are uh, in a place and in a position that is different than what we were in back in March. You remember back uh, when the quarantine hit and we went into lockdown and we had to stop doing live services and we would pre-record uh, these services and then you would watch the recordings. But I'm coming to you live right now. For those of you who are watching live, you are hearing this as it happens. And uh, if you're watching this tomorrow morning or at another time, I want to kind of just reiterate what I said at the beginning of the service. It makes no difference. It makes no difference because the same Holy Spirit that is right here in this service is with you right where you are right now, regardless of the place or the time. And so I'm thankful for this technology that we have so that we can do this because this has been a crazy year. This has been an unusual, unprecedented year. 2020 has been kind of the storm of this century, right? And I say that as someone who loves storms. I love storms. I love storms. You can ask my wife, when, 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 the, when the weatherman comes on and says there's a big storm coming, you better brace yourself. I, I, I schedule my, my, my plans around the storm. I mean, I, I'll, I'll run through the house and I'll put every TV on a different station so that I can see everything that's being said about the storm. Open up all the windows. I'll be going out on the front yard. I'll be going back out on the deck, taking pictures. I love storms. Whether it's a blizzard or a thunderstorm, I love storms. But I do not like destructive storms. I don't like destruction that comes as a result of a powerful storm. Nobody likes that. It's not a good thing. And 2020 has been a destructive storm. And I know statistics people might try to come up and say, well, now hold on a second. We could take any year and we could, we could compare events that happened in this year versus that year, and there's always bad things that happen. But listen, I think most of you would agree this year has been a little bit unusual. And what I want to do, um, this really is an encouraging message, <laughs> but to kind of set the stage a little bit and just kind of give us some context of where we are at right now, I want to take a look at 2020 by the numbers. Now, it's kind of interesting because there's a website where you can type in a date or a range of dates and uh, you can see what historic events happened in that range of dates. <clears throat> and for 2020, they have so far listed 723 events. So uh, I'm not going to go through every one of those. I'm just going to kind of bullet point the highlights, or maybe you don't want to call them highlights, but either way, put on your seatbelt for a bumpy ride 
down memory lane. And let's go ahead and just start with the elephant in the room, shall we? COVID-19. Now, I was one of those who, at the very beginning of the year, when this became something in the news, <clears throat> uh, I was one of those who said, this is being blown way out of proportion, this is being overhyped, this is gonna come and go, and um, nobody's gonna even remember this a few months down the road. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say I was wrong. <laughs> I wish I wasn't wrong, but I was wrong. COVID has had an incredible historic impact on everybody. Everybody has been impacted. Um, there have been so far over 51 million cases, over 1.2 million deaths, not to mention the economic impact, the emotional, mental health impact, and no doubt many, many other unforeseen issues caused by COVID-19. Um, and so we have all been affected by it. All of us have. Everybody has been. It's been a major, major event this year. And as a result of COVID-19, we have another issue that has happened this year. 2020 has also been the year of quarantine, social distancing, shelter in place. So all of these things have a negative effect on who we are designed to be by God because God designed us to be social people. God designed us to be in community, in relationship with others. We are not supposed to be isolated. And as a pastor who deals with people, I see the effects of this. It's not good. It's not something that we uh, should want to have happen. Uh, we say around here that there are some aspects of the nature of God that you only experience in relationship with others. And so being quarantined and being, and being distant from people uh, and sheltering in place is not the best thing for us. You guys all remember Zoom meetings, and nobody likes Zoom meetings. And so the quarantining, the social distancing, shelter in place, we've had that this year. That's another thing. We had a stock market crash. So not only did we have uh, physical issues with COVID, not only did we have emotional, mental issues with all this other stuff, quarantine, social. We've had uh, economic issues with the stock market crash. Due to the pandemic, we saw the worst single day drop ever on March 9th. These are all related to COVID. Hang with me, people. It gets better. Don't worry. But listen, these are all related to COVID. But in a year where we had all of these things, these traumatic things going on uh, tied to the pandemic, we also had racial unrest, uh, protesting, rioting, all of these things going on. We had this tension between one movement that was genuinely seeking change and another movement that was taking an opportunity to bring destruction and a lot of overlap between those two things. But Regardless of where you stand on that issue, the outcome has been 22 shooting deaths, 14,000 arrests, and between one and two billion dollars in damage, 2020. Of course, this is also the year uh, that America saw the appearance for the first time of something called murder hornets. 
murder hornets. So that's another great 2020 addition uh, to our list here. You may have seen the explosion in Beirut. It was very uh, uh, terrifying thing to witness. Um, 190 people were killed, 10 to $15 billion in damages, 300,000 people homeless. We had fires, the West Coast wildfires in California. Hundreds of thousands of people were displaced from their homes. And actually in Colorado, uh, historic wildfires. My family and I were there just a few weeks ago. And while we were there, um, the Cameron Peak wildfire became the largest wildfire in, this, in the history of the state of Colorado. And I actually have a picture of that that I took literally just standing on the deck of the place where we were staying with my camera. I took that picture myself. And you could see the flames coming over the hills in the distance there. And then, uh, you know, as, as 2020 would have it, um, at the same time that this fire was raging, another fire called the East Troublesome Fire uh, flared up, and it became the second largest fire in the state of, uh, in the history of the state of Colorado. And at one point, they were 11 miles apart from each other. And then elsewhere in the world, we had the Australian bushfire, which we didn't hear a lot about that because we had so much stuff to deal with ourselves. but 47 million acres burned one of the largest, most devastating fires in that country's history. The Atlantic hurricane season. Uh, you remember the days when we just had like one big hurricane? So this year we've had 12 hurricanes. Five of those are considered major hurricanes, nearly $33 billion in damage. And the list goes on. Why am I listing all of these negative things at the beginning of a positive message? It's because I want to give you a context. Because in a year of rioting, plagues, quarantines, financial collapse, and fires, if you're feeling the temptation to be a little stressed, you're not crazy. It's the natural response to this year. And so 2020, uh, many months ago, <laughs> kind of became uh, the object of jokes and funny memes online. And uh, as I was putting this message together, I just pulled some of those out to show you. Look at a couple of these memes just to kind of give you, just to lighten it a little bit. So yeah, we have the night, like ready for 2020, and that's where the arrow goes. Let's go to the next one. Okay, yeah, so if, if 2020 was reviewed on Yelp or somewhere, one star, very bad, would not recommend. I would have to agree. Let's go to the next one. If 2020 was a potato chip, it would be the orange juice toothpaste flavor. Yes, I think that's appropriate. And then we got a couple similar ones here. Yeah, you can see this. Realizing, and this kind of puts it in perspective too, and go ahead and put the next slide up too. When you look at everything that happened this year, if you're in the future and you're looking back on a history section on 2020, every single month would be an entire section. So many things have gone down this year. So many things have happened. This year has been a storm. Almost, you could call it the perfect storm. And that's not just some term that I made up, perfect storm. It's not just the title of some movie. Perfect storm is in the dictionary. The definition of, of perfect storm is this. A critical or disastrous situation created by a powerful concurrence 
of factors, a critical or disastrous situation created by a concurrence of factors. I would say that's a pretty good description of this year. It's made many people emotionally weary. It has made many people mentally weary, and it's made many people physically weary. It's been a year that has worn people down, and um, it would be ignorant of me to not recognize that. But what we have to realize as sons of God and daughters of God, as people of God, that according to what the Bible says, we have been born into the storm. We have been born into the storm. We are born into the storm, the storm of life. That is our situation. And it's important to mention that because depending on what you have been told and taught, you may have been taught at some point or another that once you give your life to Jesus, everything is just perfect from there on out, right? Maybe you haven't been told that. Maybe you have. But if you have believed that following Jesus means that you have left the path that ever creates resistance or trouble or challenges or trials or storms. That's not the case. Listen to what the Bible says. Job 5, 6 through 7 says this. For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble spring up from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. And then John 16.33, Jesus says this, and this is really important. We're going to come back to this in a second, too. Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. I've heard it put this way. You are either coming out of a test, or you are currently in a test, or you are getting ready to go into a test. Man is born into trouble. Don't think that it's strange. Don't be upset when you experience a fiery trial. And Jesus says, it's not unusual that you will encounter trouble or sorrow, but be courageous because I've overcome this world. So this is what I want to ask you to do right now, where you are, your living room, wherever it is that you're watching this. I want you to think about whatever the challenge is that you're facing right now. I want you to bring that to your mind, bring it to the surface, and think about that, and bring it up here. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at that storm that you're facing in the light of what the Bible says, of what God says, what God says about the storm, what God says about you. So I want you to think about that right now, and we're going to deal with that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is going through tough times, 
challenges, storms. It's not just a case of bad luck or bad timing. You were born into the storm. And sometimes we wonder how James, in the book of James, he says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. And we're like, stop it. Stop it. Why would I want to count it joy when I, when I find myself in these situations? But there is an eternal truth in those words. And we're going to dig into that and look at it. One of the most powerful illustrations of this, and it's not just an illustration, it's a story of something that actually happened. It's not just a parable, but one of the most powerful, powerful models that's more than a parable is the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples in the middle of the storm. You know, God knows. God knows that we need stories. God knows that we need illustrations. God knows that we need metaphors and analogies. He knows I need that stuff. And so these stories, this is not just an interesting story that God decided to put into his book. It is filled and packed full of important information for you and for me, for us to navigate storms ourselves. Listen to what this says. Let's read through this, and we're going to kind of just dig a little deep into this as we go. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was swamped by the waves. Maybe that's how you feel right now. The boat was swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Maybe that's also how you feel right now. I'm in a storm. My boat is being beaten up by waves, and it just seems like Jesus is asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Now, stop right there for just a second. I want you to think about something. I, I want to put this in context so that you can get a picture, a mental picture of what kind of a storm we're talking about here. Think about who the disciples of Jesus were. We know that several of those guys were professional fishermen, right? We know that these guys spent their days in boats like this on that sea, right? That's what they did day in and day out, probably since they were young teenagers, and so you know that they've encountered storms, right? They are experienced going through storms. They've been through storms. They've navigated storms and come out the other side. They know what a bad storm is. And what they're saying is, save us, Lord, we are perishing. That gives you a little bit of an idea of what kind of storm they were in. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this uh, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, there are two levels. This is how I want to put this. I believe there are two levels of truth here, and they're both truth, okay? They are both the truth. There is a surface level, that we can immediately access. And then there's a deeper level, if we dig a little bit, that we can get a deeper truth. Now the surface level is this, and don't forget what I said, this is the truth. You will go through storms in life, you will encounter storms, and part of what this account is, is communicating to you 
is that Jesus is always with you. He's always with you. There is never a time. There is never an instance. There's never a moment. There's never a dark night where Jesus is not with you. It may seem like you're fighting a storm by yourself, but Jesus is in your boat. Jesus is always in your boat. He's always with you. You never have to believe or feel that you are alone. Jesus is with you. That's the truth. But like I said, there's another deeper truth that can go along with that. It doesn't counteract it. They, they, they exist together. But here's the other truth. See, Jesus, when he calmed the storm, he released the peace that was inside of him. And that peace that Jesus carried with him calmed that storm. It, it counteracted the effects of the storm. The waves died down, the wind died down, and the peace that was inside Jesus was released and the storm was calmed. But do you remember what we just read, right? I mean, just moments ago, we read from John 16, and it said these words, Jesus saying this, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. So there is a tension between the disciples saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing, and Jesus saying, where is your faith? Why are you fearful? There's a tension there because we know that there was a storm. And the disciples had good reason to say, we are perishing. And Jesus said, why are you afraid? So there must be a reason why Jesus, in the midst of this fatal storm, would say, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? So I think the question we have to answer, and, and you may, I may not give you the answer. What do you think about that? I think I know what this is communicating to us, but there's more than one way to interpret it. Um, and I tend to go with the old way <laughs> to interpret it. See, Jesus made the statement that the peace that's in me, I want that peace to be in you. And when the disciples woke him up and said, we're dying. What are you going to do, Jesus? And Jesus' immediate response was, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? I believe that Jesus wanted the peace that was in him to be in them. Now the question is, was the, the outcome that we should have seen there, was that that the disciples would have made it through the storm and yet had no fear? Or was the outcome supposed to be that the disciples, having the peace of Jesus inside of them, actually stood up and did what he did and calmed the storm. Now, they are not Jesus, right? They are not God, right? Right, that's true. But what is it that he's wanting us to do? Is it possible that they could have calmed a storm? Well, we've got to try to get this straight because how we understand this will actually set the stage and dictate how we navigate storms 
in our own life. John 14, 12 through 14 says this. This is Jesus talking again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, that's me, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So here's the thing. If Jesus is calling his disciples to calm the storm, it's 100% God, 0% them. And if Jesus is calling on you to speak peace, to release peace into a storm in your life, it is 100% God and 0% you that is causing that to happen. But you know that God wants and chooses to flow through you. Because you and I, we are designed to be containers, right? Of the presence of God, of the love of God, of the glory of God. It's all God, it's not you. But we are designed for him to flow through us. So when we walk into a storm and we release peace on any level, we are bringing glory to God and he gets the glory. And by the way, that doesn't mean that when you walk into a storm and you speak peace, you speak calm, you release peace, it doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome is going to be what you might think it's going to be. It just means that you're being obedient. And so it may be that you stand up and say, peace, be still. And the way that that resolves itself is something you didn't predict. But at that moment, you're being obedient and you're allowing God to flow through you. And you're saying, God, let your will be done in this situation. Not my will, but your will. But I do believe that it is God's desire and he, that he wants to move through us. He wants us to be a conduit. He wants us to be a container of his glory, of his power. And he wants to show his love to this world through us. We're his hands and his feet. And so, like I say, when we walk into a storm and release peace on any level, we're bringing glory to God and he gets the glory. So, we do recognize that we're in a storm. We do recognize that we are born into a storm that it shouldn't surprise us. But I want to take it one last step further because I believe that you and I are actually made for the storm. I believe that we are designed and created to be placed in the storm because anytime something withstands a strong storm, it becomes a testimony of the strength of what withstood the storm, not a testimony of the storm. You understand what I'm saying? So you were designed to weather and conquer the storm in your life, not through your own power. Don't try to do that. That's not going to turn out well. It's through his power. You know that verse that says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit. So there's this building that's an amazing building. And believe it or not, it's actually in Missouri. And um, it's a little, it's south of here. It's actually south of Springfield called Chateau 
Hensmore. And um, I want to I show you a picture of this place. Chateau Pensmore, it's in, yes, that place is in Missouri. It's the fifth largest home in the United States. All of the walls, interior and exterior, are entirely built of concrete strengthened with helix. What is helix, do you say? Tiny, thin, twisted strands of high tensile wire. It was built to withstand an earthquake, a bomb blast, and even an F5 tornado. So the exterior walls are 12 inches thick, the building's energy efficient, state-of-the-art, and seemingly disaster-proof. The owner wanted Pinsmore to serve as a model of how to build schools, hospitals, and homes to be safe from disasters. In other words, this building was made for a storm. This building was designed ahead of time with a storm in mind. It wasn't just haphazardly constructed with the hope that maybe it would withstand a storm. It was built to withstand the same type of tornado that leveled Joplin, right? And this building is a picture of you. This is you. If you look at this picture of this building, this is a metaphor of who God has created you to be. The Pinsmore isn't designed to avoid storms. It's designed to resist storms. You were made with a purpose to be placed in a challenge, in a test, in a trial, in a storm, and for God to demonstrate his strength through you in that storm. You know, the Bible said, Jesus said that we are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. What good is a light <clears throat> set up on a table in a lighted room, right? The purpose of a light is to be in darkness and repel darkness. If you were designed for the storm, for a storm, you are supposed to be placed in a place of resistance. You're supposed to be placed in a place of challenge for God to be able to flow through you, demonstrate his power, his strength, and his love. When a tornado eventually hits the Pinsmore, assuming it lives up to its predictions, uh, the story will not be about the storm, but about the fortress that withstood the storm. And listen, a stormproof building, one of the biggest factors, one of the biggest reasons that a stormproof building is able to withstand those high winds and all of that stuff is the foundation, right? How deep are its roots? How, how strong is its foundation? You and I were the same way. Listen, listen to, to this out of Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew. Sounds like 2020 to me. And beat on that house, but it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. 
The only difference between those two houses, it was the same rain, it was the same wind, was the foundation they were built on. Think about that old hymn that says, uh, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I think the verse says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and faithfulness. Jesus is the foundation for where we stand, for how we stand, for how we weather the storm. And listen, if you search yourself and you, you realize that right now I'm going through a storm and I am not built on the rock. I am not standing on the rock. Jesus is not where I get my hope. It's not too late. You can change that tonight, right here, today, whenever you're watching this. You can change it right now. You can make Jesus the hope and the foundation of your life. But he has to be if you want to make it through the storm. Jesus is the rock that cannot be moved. And if we're standing on him, then we can't be moved either. So we're getting close to coming in for a landing here. And I want to talk about real quick what actually happens when we walk into a storm. Now, are you still thinking about your issue, right? Are you still thinking about your challenge, your storm? Keep thinking about that. What happens when we walk into our storm with God? What actually takes place? Two things I want to talk about real quick. Number one, we grow in strength. Anybody that's ever tried to get healthy, got into a fitness program, tried to work out, you understand that the only way to build strength is through resistance, right? I mean, you can't sit at your desk and grow muscles, right? I mean, it's when you pick up that dumbbell and you lift it and you lower it and you lift it. It's that resistance that builds strength. When you and I walk into a challenging situation, a tough trial, a bad season, but we walk into it with God, with Jesus as our foundation, strength begins to, to, to be created inside of us. We grow in strength. And we're also refined. A storm has a way of refining us. We talked about refining a few weeks ago, uh, one of the last times I spoke, how that process of refining, when you put a metal in a fire, the heat actually causes impurities, right, to separate from what's pure and rise to the surface where they can be dealt with. So when we walk into a storm, when you walk into your storm with God, then you are strengthened and you are refined. Listen to what James 1, 2 through 4 said. We referenced this earlier. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you... Meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and the steadfastness, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's it right there. That's why we count it joy, because of this process that happens, and it can happen in you right now. 2020 does not have to be a year that pulls you down, that saps you of your strength, that makes you weary and tired. You can walk into this storm with God 
You can grow in strength. You can be refined. You can walk into it one way, and you can walk out of it stronger, more full of love, more full of the power of God, and looking more like Jesus. The effect can actually happen in you as you walk into a storm with God. Then the second thing is God is glorified because it's his strength that overcomes the storm. God gets the glory. God gets glorified when we do this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you have a weakness right now that you're dealing with? God's power can be perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Does that make sense? In our weakness, God comes and fills us with his strength and he gets the glory. God's strength is demonstrated. And now is the time for the world to see God's strength demonstrated through us. Now is the time. If you've been waiting for somebody to tell you when is the right time, here's your moment. Now is the time. This is the opportunity. This is the open door. What looks like a terrible situation to many people is a wonderful open door opportunity for sons and daughters of God. Because this is the time. When it seems darker, light sources shine brighter. And I believe we're in one of the most, if not the most critical moments in history. God's plan for you isn't just preservation and protection. He doesn't want you to just survive the storm. He wants you to master the storm. So we're not just holding ground, we're taking ground, right? And we have to be aware of the time and the season that we're in. I believe we're going to be taking a lot of ground for Jesus, for the kingdom of God. Pastor Sean, at the beginning of this year, had a word from God that we were coming into a time of unprecedented gathering in people for the harvest, that we were going to see souls coming into the kingdom of God. And if you quiet yourself and you just listen, I believe that you will hear God saying, it's time to wake up. I was uh, about 4.30 Wednesday morning this week. I was up. I'm not normally up at 4.30, so don't get the wrong idea there. But I was up and I was praying and I was just enjoying that quiet time with God. And I just kept hearing God say, it's time to wake up. It's time. It's time to wake up. And in the middle of chaos and confusion in this world, the church is destined to rise up, to wake up to stand up and to demonstrate the love and the power and the hope of God to this world. And I really believe that we're at a crossroads right now. Um, 
Last weekend, we talked about how 2020 for many believers hasn't just been a bump in the road, but it's been a fork in the road. And there have been people who have drifted further away from God, but then there have been people who have really just dived in and gotten closer to God and more serious. And I believe God is calling people to rise up and wake up. I've got one more scripture I want to read you. Um, Romans 13, 11, starting in 11. Paul says this, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity, indulges, sleeping around, dissipation, bickering, grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. The storm that we are in right now is an opportunity for the church to rise up. And and that's you, right? That's me, and that's you. There's an open door. There's an opportunity. This is an important moment in history. It could be the most important moment in history. And it's not the time to sleep in, right? It's the time to get up. The temptation of this hour is to shrink back. But God is calling us to rise up. This is our moment. We were born for such a time as this. This. And if there was ever a time for the people of God to demonstrate who he is to a troubled world, it's right now. And you do that by, by, by demonstrating that to your world, right? Because you have your people, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. I have my people. But if we all do this, if we all stand up, wake up, rise up, and be the people of God right now, then we get to show the world what God can do in the middle of a storm like this. I want to pray over you right now. And I know that in every home, there may be different things going on. Uh, You may have little kids. You may have pets doing different things. Whatever's going on, I want to ask you right now to bring everybody in and focus in. And I want to pray over you right now. And I want you to agree with me as we pray. And I want, to, I want to impart something to you. I believe it's so important. I believe we were made for this storm. But we've got to be who God says we are. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, you are right now with the person 
who is watching this screen. Where they are right now, you are there with them. In this moment, you are there. Lord, I pray that you would activate your people. I pray that you would awaken your people. And that there would be something down on the inside of each person that is activated right now. There's awakening. There's a spirit of wisdom and revelation and awareness of the importance of this time and that you would awaken them now, right now. Lord, let a spirit of fire and passion fall on these people right now in the name of Jesus. Let an awakening happen right now, right here. Lord, pull your people away from every distraction and activate them into active duty right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we say right now without any hesitation, send us to the front lines and let us spend our lives for your glory and your kingdom here and now in the name of Jesus. We don't want to miss the opportunity that is in front of us. We want to be aware of what you're doing. And we want to rise up to the calling that you have on our lives to be your people, to be your light to this world, to be containers and conduits for you to flow through, to be people who can stand up and release peace into chaos. God, we want to be that people. We respond to your call and we ask you to move through our lives and that every circle and sphere of influence that each one of us has would be impacted as you flow through us flow through our lives in Jesus' name. And now right now, I want to pray over people uh, that are fighting COVID. And I want to pray for a couple people specifically, but right now, we just lift up right now, every person, each one of us knows somebody who's fighting this illness. Right now, we, we speak life over them in Jesus' name. The Bible says in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that it's by his stripes we are healed. And so we speak to this sickness and we say, you do not belong in the body of a child of God because Jesus paid the price with his body. His body was torn so that we might be well. And so we say by his stripes we are healed. We command COVID to go in the name of Jesus. Right now, We lift up to you, uh, Pastor Sean, and we lift up to you, uh, Robert Tucker, and both of these men who are fighting COVID right now, specifically, we pray over them. We say right now, let there be healing that comes into their body. In the authority of the name of Jesus, let healing right now come into their body. We speak over uh, congestion in the lungs. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. We say, let the lungs function perfectly and freely. Let every breath of air be effortless and pure. No coughing that comes as a result of it. Let every breath be a strong, deep breath of air. We speak over uh, any fever that's happening. We command the fever to break right now in the name of Jesus. We command fever to go. We speak over any other symptom, headaches, aches, and pains, uh, fatigue in the body. We command it to go in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, that you might be glorified. 
And we drive back this sickness in Jesus' name. Lord, we know that in Isaiah it says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So Lord, let there be a standard that is raised up right now. And we pray specifically in this body of believers. Yes, we want to see it gone across the whole earth. But we pray right now over the people in Journey Church specifically. Let there be a standard raised up against this flood of sickness in Jesus' name. No spike here. In Jesus' name. Lord, glorify yourself in us. Glorify yourself in our bodies. Glorify yourself in our lives, Lord God. Be glorified in our lives. Lord, our lives belong to you. And we want to spend and be spent for your honor and for your glory. And we want our lives to be like a living sacrifice unto you, O God. And we choose to serve you in this hour, in this season, in this time that we are in, in this wonderful opportunity to shine in darkness. Flow through us and bring countless people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.